Hi, I'm back. And I'm back with a very important message, probably one of the most important ones that I'm ever going to preach or have preached so far, at least. And this is about salvation. And I used to be one of the people who was like, I don't know if I'm really going to be saved. I used to literally talk to God and say, like, I don't know if I love you. I don't know if I'm going to be saved. I don't know if I'm really saved right now. Like, I used to doubt my salvation so much. And honestly, it was because of the lifestyle I was living. Now, I have absolutely uh, no doubt about the fact that I am saved right now or that I will be saved. And that's actually how it's supposed to be. But before, I had, like, so much doubt. And I just see so many people, like, kind of falling into the same trap of like um just getting hit with like all these thoughts all these attacks of like doubting your salvation also on the flip side people who think that they are saved but according to the bible they're really not and so i'm speaking to both sides of people who are like i don't know if i am and the people who are overconfident in the fact that they am but they're still living in sin and they don't live like a child of god I'm talking to both and so I'm not here to like condemn anybody I just want to make it clear for you um, and just kind of like lay it out for you I did a super deep dive into like faith and believing and all that type of stuff what what those words mean and so I just want to make it plain for you I want there to be like no confusion about like if you are really saved or not um, what it means to be a child of God and where you're going when you die so <laughs> That is uh, my goal here. That's my intent. I hope that you don't feel um, condemned, but if you do, I'm not the one who convinces the Holy Spirit who shows people their sin, so that is um, not on me. So, and if you do, I just want to start with saying that um, ultimately God wants everybody to be saved. He wishes that none should perish, okay? And that is like the reason that Jesus came back. I mean, it was planned all the way from the before the beginning of the earth for every everybody, a plan for everybody to be saved. So if you find yourself falling into the category of people who are probably not um, saved or not going to be saved on the day of judgment, then um, change your life. And I'm going to explain exactly what to do at the end. So keep watching. So let's start with the first question um i also wanted to show you guys this because i think it's cool i got my little world's best boss it's a uh, obviously from the office which i think is one of the funniest shows anyways so let's dive right in with the first question are you going to heaven that is what we're asked what we're answering through the next uh however long this is going to take so first things first you are not supposed to doubt whether you're going to heaven or hell and i'm going to show you proof because i thought that me doubting that before was like somehow humble or like like a false humility or whatever but that's what i thought so i'm telling you biblically you're not supposed to doubt whether you're going to heaven or hell here's the proof Proof, proof, proof in um, 2 Timothy 4.18. And it says, yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. So we know who's talking here. Obviously, it's Paul. And I think this is the same um, chapter where he says, like, you know, I fought the good fight. So it's basically about, you know, Paul's kind of last letter, you know, like he's going to die and everything. But he's saying the Lord will deliver me and bring me safely into his kingdom. He wasn't saying like, the Lord might deliver me, maybe I'll go to hell, maybe I won't, no. Like Paul was definite and that's how we need to be as well. 
Um, the second verse is 1 John 5.13. It says, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. And I honestly would suggest read all of 1 John 5. Like, I literally considered just like reading that whole chapter to get this into people's head about salvation, but really just like read all of 1 John 5. But this verse saying, I've written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, right? So that's actively right now, you believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. Know, so that you know it, not doubt it, so that you know it. They were sure, not wondering if they were going to heaven or not. They weren't wondering, like, and here's my thing, when it comes to like persecution that were promised, right? Isn't it like, it's it for me, it's been so much easier, like going through even a little bit of persecution, a little bit of persecution that I do go through, or just like feeling I'm com uncomfortable when I'm sharing the gospel with people or, or whatever God has me do. I have more confidence doing that, knowing and being sure about my salvation instead of like um, kind of doubting it. Like before, I said this in another video about sharing the gospel, um, the practical ways or whatever that was titled, but before I didn't really like have much to say about God because for me, I was still like living such a terrible life as like a normal Christian that I just didn't really know what to say to people. Like I literally had to sit and think like, what do I say? And since God has delivered me from sin, since he's delivered me from like um, pornography, homosexuality, mental health issues, um, mental disease issues really, but since he's like delivered me from all that and just like feeling unsatisfied with life and not fulfilled, um, honestly, like I have so much to say. Like I could talk about God forever. And so like I'm just saying it's like easier, much easier to like practically easier to share the gospel, to do the things like the apostles were all martyred, right? I mean, not John, but a lot of the apostles were mar martyred. And so it's like, do you think that they could have been persecuted like that to the same level if they doubted? Or Stephen, when Stephen was like getting rocks thrown at his head, well, getting rocks thrown at him, I added the head part, but when he was getting like stoned, do you think, like, God literally showed him, actually. He confirmed his salvation by literally showing him a vision of Jesus sitting at the right hand of the throne. So do you think, like, that obviously God wants us to be sure about this, and as, as children of God, as sons and daughters of God, salvation is something that we should not be wavering on because it plays into every other area of our life where we have doubt not only in this biggest, biggest area, most important area of our life, but we have doubt about everything. Okay, so first of all, that is what I want to say. You are not supposed to doubt whether you're going to heaven or hell. Hopefully that proved it. And those verses, again, 2 Timothy 4.18, and the second one is 1 John 5. Again, read 1 John 5 all together, please. And now we're going to look at the qualifications of being saved. And this is like where we talk about the deep dive. So it might get a little confusing, so make sure you listen slowly. I'm going to try to talk slowly. I'm going to try my best. We'll see what happens next, okay? <laughs> so what are the qualifications of being saved? Um, the first verse we're going to read is Romans 10, 8 through 10. And this is in the New Living Translation. I'll give you a second to get there. You can pause the video. Okay, let's go. So Romans 10, 8 through 10. In fact, it says, 
The message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe, if you can see my computer, and believe is in bold because it's important. So if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will, will be saved. Highlight will. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So one thing I want to point out here is all the action that goes into it. Like sometimes we think it's just like you're like in church, you know, or you're, you know, whatever. I mean, yeah, most of the times you're like in church and you're sitting there and, you know, like you feel like you should go to the altar and you're just like, or you feel like you should, you know, sit in your seat. And when they say like, okay, who wants to be saved? You're like, okay. And then you say the sinner's prayer, right? And that, although it is amazing, I mean, I've heard a lot of things about the sinner's prayer. I really don't see anything wrong with it. I think it's an amazing like gateway into everything. I think God takes it seriously and God knows your heart at the end of the day. However, I do want to point out how many things, how many ands there was. If you openly declare Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, you will, you will, future, 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 you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Obviously, that's the two, same two things, just said in a different way. But what I'm saying is there's like a lot of action into it. Now, let's dive into what that actually means. We're going to read one more verse that talks about believing. Okay? So this is John 20, 30 through 31. And this is, uh, uh, I don't know what's talking about. This is John 20, 30 through 31. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples. Oh, John which are not written in this book, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. And I want to point out one thing, obviously you heard me emphasize it, but this says might. So this is like, uh, you might believe, it's a, it's a, it, this might happen or might not happen. I mean, you know what might, might means, I don't have to explain that, but it's saying you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. You might have life through his name by believing, okay? Um, and so we're going to go to, I don't know if you have your computer. You could, like I've said before, get the blue letter Bible, please. It's just amazing. This is Strong's G4100, and the word is pistio. It's a verb, and it's used 248 times. This is the Greek word for believe. The word believe there, this is what it means. So the tense isn't, I don't know how to say this, but <laughs> I'm going to try my best. The tense is uh, aorist. It's A-O-R-I-S-T. So whatever, aorist. It's characterized by its emphasis on punctiliar action. That is the concept of the verb is considered without regard for past, present, past, present, or future time. There is no direct clear, direct or clear English equivalent for this tense, though it is generally rendered as a simple past tense in most translations. All right, so basically what this, oh, and then uh, the most common of these include a view of the action as having begun from a certain point, inceptive aorist, or having ended at a certain point, which is a cumulative aorist, or merely existing at a certain point, which is a punctiliar aorist. So what that is saying is basically, the word believe here is doesn't have any regard for past, present, future. It is a continual thing. There's no like 
time limit really attached to it. Like it said, it could be like um, the inceptive, which means that it began at a certain part, or the punctilia, which means that it ended at a certain point. But at the end of the day, it's no regard for the past, present, and future. So it's like a continual thing. Um, then the next thing that I want to point out is the voice. of This is all um, in the word for believe. The voice is an active verb. It's a verb. Believe is a verb. When I say I believe in Jesus, I'm saying that as an, uh, uh, an adjective. I'm describing something. Is that a noun? Uh, it's an adjective, I think, but I'm describing something basically, right? But I never thought about believe as a verb until I looked at this. I was like, hold on a second. Stop the, stop the track. So the first thing is, it's a verb. It represents the subject as the doer or performer of the action. In the, uh, for example, in the sentence, Jesus returned to Capernaum, Jesus performs the action. So you know what a verb means. It's a verb. It's an action word. Then the next thing is that it's a mood. It, the mood is subjunctive. Is the mood of possibility and potentiality. The action described may or may not occur depending upon circumstances. Like I said, the word might. Okay, the word might that was in John 20, 30 through 31. That ye might believe and that uh, ye might have life through his name. Okay, conditional sentences of the third class. Um, e in quotations, it says E-A-N and the subjunctive are all of this type, as well as many commands following conditional purposes, clauses, such as those beginning with H-I-N-A. So what I just want to point out here is the action described may or may not occur, okay? May or may not occur. And I do want to point out one more thing here in Romans 8, 10, uh, Romans 10, 8 through 10. It says that so that you will be saved if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, you will be saved. Now, will, I mean, you can look up the definition for yourself. For me, will can mean a bunch of things. Now, let's dive into the definition of believe. Um, sorry, I'm going to try to talk slower. So, to think, the believe means to think to be true, to be persuaded of, to credit, place confidence in, of the thing believed, to credit, have confidence in a moral or religious reference used in the New Testament of the conviction and trust to which a man is impelled by a certain inner and higher prerogative of law and law of soul. It also means to trust in Jesus or God as able to aid either in obtaining or in doing something saving faith. It also means mere acknowledgement of some fact or event intellectual faith it also means to entrust to one his fidelity to be entrusted with a thing so here's what i want to point out to you what i when i was reading this and studying this i was like oh my gosh because the word believe here to think to be true to be persuaded of to credit place confidence in all that i thought like i, I thought believe and faith was the same thing we're gonna get into faith later so just hold your horses but for belief like in these definitions of believe, when I read it, I, I thought I knew what believe meant, but actually knowing like the biblical definition of believe, it is not what I thought. First of all, when it comes to it being a verb, first, second of all, like a verb and not describing something, it's a verb, it's an action. Okay. Secondly, when it comes to it being a continual thing, like for me, I thought, okay, on the day that I say the sinner's prayer, I get saved or the day that I change my life. However you do that, it's like I believed in Jesus on that day. And because I believed in Jesus on that day, I now always believe in Jesus when that's actually not true. Believing is an action. It's an active thing. So if you're not 
actively believing in Jesus, which means to put your confidence in, to entrust your, your uh, salvation to Jesus, when you confess with your mouth, you openly declare with your mouth and you believe, it says that you will be saved, okay? So that we can only be saved by grace through faith, okay? So I'm not discounting that. But what I'm saying is when you, like, just to repeat it, when I said the sinner's prayer, God took that seriously, I believe, okay? And according to the Bible, God took it seriously. I don't have anything against the sinner's prayer. What I'm saying is if that is the only time that you believed in Jesus in your life, uh, when it comes to sin, when it comes to uh, doing the will of the Father, when it comes to Jesus as your Lord, if your life does not match up with that and you throw away all the childish things and you run hard after Jesus, even if it's a slow process, I don't think God is against the process or a journey, but when you're not moving in the right direction, you don't repent and turn from your ways actually, and you move to uh, towards the right direction, that's not believing in Jesus. That means that you had faith in Jesus, but that is not believing in Jesus. And I'm going to prove that to you, so don't don't worry. But it's that you believed, past tense, in Jesus. But if your life isn't changing actively to look like the Son of God, to look like Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, then I'm sorry to say it so harshly, but that doesn't mean that you believe in Jesus. And honestly, it's not... I mean, obviously, it's it's a terrible thing because if you die, you know, you're a possibility of going to hell. But when it comes to God, the good news is that you can always change. You can always just repent. Wow, God, I'm so sorry that, like, I thought that this wasn't, like, a really big deal. I thought that I didn't really have to, you know, do a lot of work when it comes to being a real Christian. I thought that, you know, whatever you thought, whatever your, you, your prayer to God wants to be. But just literally repent and start actively Okay, believing in Jesus, that's it. Ask the Holy Spirit to come into you. Start actively, actively believing in Jesus, and you will be saved. Openly declare, believe in Jesus, you will be saved, okay? So I just want to, if you want to, you can rewind it, listen to that definition. Just again, the number is Strong's G4100. You can look that up on Google and get your own understanding of what the word believes. It believe means. To me, that's what it means biblically. This is what I got out of it. It is an active thing. That, so that means that when I declare that I believed in Jesus, right? When I declare that I believe in Jesus, my life didn't change at all. I did not because it's an active thing. It's a continual, continual thing with no regard of past, present, or future. And it's all predicated on the subject, okay? The subject of, of that sentence which is you, if you openly declare, if you believe in it, believe in your heart, believe in Jesus, then you will be saved. That's what it's depending on is you. So if you like kind of turn your back on God and you don't actively believe in God, I just don't want you to be thinking that you're saved right now or that you will be saved on Judgment Day because according to the Bible, that's just not going to happen. Um, so let's read one more verse. John 14, 12 through 24. So we're going to read this verse again. But like I said um, in the beginning, I really am only saying any of this out of love only because I don't want you to be deceived. Um, it sucks that I was deceived so long thinking that I was saved and was automatically going to go to heaven when that was like really, I mean, 
like you know when people are walking those like ropes in between the buildings and you know you could fall off at any moment that's like what i feel like it was like back then now christ is my firm foundation but before i'm like i really i really couldn't tell you i really don't know if i had to say i'd say probably i was going to hell because my life did not look like I actively believed in Jesus. I was not following Jesus, even though I claimed to be. So I'm really only saying this out of love, you know, and I, I don't want you to feel like I'm like, yeah, you're going to hell. There is no hope. You're all sinners. There is no hope. That's not what I'm saying. There is there's always hope in Jesus. So let's go to John 14, 12 through 24. This is NLT. And this is um, obviously 12 verses, very long passage, but we're going to read all of it because we can. So. Um, this is Jesus talking. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me. Okay. Okay. Actually, let me pause because that just got me really excited. So this is talking about who, what, someone that believes in Jesus, what you should look like. Okay. This is describing what you should look like. And this is how, if what I, everything I just said before was confusing, this is how you can tell if you really believe in Jesus. Okay. This is how you can tell. I tell you the truth, excuse me, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Fact. Facts. That, that's facts. He didn't say anyone who believes in me might. He didn't say anyone who believes in me maybe will. He said will. It's a sure thing. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, obey my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you will also live. Does that not sound like salvation to you? Since I live, you will also live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, the Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Then it says Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the uh, other disciple with that name said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Jesus replied, okay, listen, listen, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me and remember my words are not my own what i am telling you is from the father who sent me wow what a beautiful what a beautiful beautiful passage okay if you are con if you're concerned yeah but if you're wondering like what does that mean believe in jesus really what does that mean like break it down to me like i'm a fifth grader what does that mean if you love if you believe in jesus you will love him and the way that you show that you love him is the way that you can confirm that you love him is by obeying his commandments. And I just want to point out, how can you obey his commandments if you don't spend enough time with him to know what his commandments are? If you like claim to believe in Jesus, but you never actually read your Bible or you never, well, yeah, you never read your Bible. You never spend time with him. How can you 
say that you know what his commandments are if you believe in Jesus but you don't have the Holy Spirit how can you say that you know you're being guided into all truth how can you say that you know what his commandments are in order to follow them to prove that you love him like you see what I mean so if it starts at like your relationship with God it, are you in the word of God every day if not every day as much as you can be are you making time for God even if you say you don't have time are you making time for him that's how you show that you love him now I can say that I do because I do make time for God I have no no doubt about that if I don't have time I'll, I'll make time I make time for God I try my best to read the Bible every single day it, the physical Bible I read it on my phone a lot but to actually sit down read the Bible, spend time with God, and, like, it's just, how, how, how do you know His commandments if you don't spend time with Him? Also, why would you not want to spend time with Him? I mean, being in the presence of God is, like, the most amazing thing ever. Why would you not want to do that or not want to read the Bible? The Bible is authoritative for us as Christians. It is literally the way that we should read our life, so... The way to tell that you believe in, in Jesus is, if you love me, obey my commandments. To know the commandments, you gotta read this. You gotta read it. You gotta read the Bible, okay? That that's how you learn to know his commandments. You gotta be led by the Holy Spirit. And also, the first verse that said in John 14, 12, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. Okay? And then later it says, All who love me will do what I say. So that doesn't even, I mean, obviously that is talking about, you know, I mean, I think it's everything. I think it's like sin. You're not going to, Jesus is obviously not telling you to sin. So that ain't it. So you need to stop sinning. You need to cut all of that out of your life. But also it's like when Jesus, when the Holy Spirit tells you to go pay for somebody's gas. Okay. And I know gas is high. I know it's what, six fifty, six dollars almost $7 right now. But if God tells you, go fill up that person's gas tank and you are uh, spending like your $20 on yours and that's like a stretch for you. But he's like, go fill up that person's gas tank. Are you going to do it? Are you doing what he says? If he tells you to pray for somebody, are you doing that? Tells you to share a word with somebody. Are you doing that? If he tells you to give to a homeless person that you really don't like living across the street from you, are you doing that? Okay? Are you doing what he says? Are you shutting up when he tells you to shut up? Mm-hmm. Are you not saying what he doesn't want you to say? Are you doing things out of love, motivated by, by love instead of being motivated to do right? Are you other-centered? All right? All this stuff. Read, read the Bible. See the way that Jesus acts towards people see the way that the father actually really cares intimately and deeply for people are you reflecting that can someone look at you and say that you look like Jesus or do they look at you and say that you look like I'm sorry, the devil. Anyways. okay so now let's read the next one John 316 um, John 316 says in uh, King James version version whosoever believeth in him and the ETH is also from Blue Letter Bible. The ETH is what's called a verb noun, basically an active description of a person, place, or thing. It's also called a historical present, which is likely something you're watching happen in real time, something that has happened and or is happening. So that's again with the word, the fancy word I said earlier, that active verb, this is what it's saying. It's an active, uh, a verb noun. Something you're watching happen in real life. Something that has happened or is happening. Do you see how active the word believe is? It's literally like uh, the word believe 
is literally like uh, running of, of a marathon right now. The word believe is walking up a mountain. That's what the word believe is doing, okay? Literally, it's like an action word. There's action behind it. So if your, your belief in Jesus doesn't involve any action, then according to the Bible, according to what this word actually means, not what you think it means, you are not believing in Jesus. There needs to be action behind your belief in Jesus, okay? And if that, for you right now, you're still growing in boldness, and that's okay. I, I'm not faulting that because, you know, I had to do it for years. But if that for you doesn't look like, you know, going to someone and, and laying hands on them and praying for them, and, um, you know, if you're not bold enough to do that, ask Holy Spirit for boldness. But if you're growing in that, then that's okay. Are you giving to the poor? That doesn't really take a lot of boldness because they want to be given to. Are you giving to the poor? You can prepare meals for them. You can cook for them at your house and go give it to them. Are you um, giving to relatives that need your help? Are you making time for your relatives? Okay, are you walking in forgiveness? Are you actively looking like Jesus, building yourself up to that point of doing greater works in him because that's what you're supposed to be doing. But if you're building yourself up to that, are you doing everything you can to look like Jesus? Are you reading your Bible every day? Okay, it's an active thing that as if you're watching it happen in real time. That's what believe means. So we're going to get into the word faith because for me, when I read faith, faith, the definition of faith is what I thought the definition of believe meant, but obviously it doesn't. Believing, again, is an active thing. It's an, it's an active, like I'm moving my hand right now. Believe is an active thing. There, there is no like time where it, you know, stops. I mean, maybe, yeah, anyways, believe is an active thing. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so let's talk about faith. Um, faith, obviously, you know what I'm gonna read. It's Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. If you didn't know that, don't feel bad. It's, um, let's read it. This is the New King James Version. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him that beforehand that we should walk in them. And again, that's Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. And the word there for faith, you can look it up on Google, is G4102. It's pistis. It's used 244 times. What the heck? <laughs> 244 times. Um, the word believe is used 248 times. So I think that's interesting that they're kind of used like the same amount of times, but still two separate words, not the same word. Um, and faith is a noun. Noun is a word denoting anything that can be named, usually an object, a person, place, idea, or action. All right, so um, saying like... Um, this is a blue water bottle, right? So blue, I think, would be the adjective. Noun would be the water bottle. It's describing something. Uh, uh, a noun denoting anything that can be named, usually an object, person, place, idea, or action. Okay? So we got that covered. That's what a noun is. A verb, which is for the word believe, huh, is a verb noun. Okay? So a verb noun, again, is an active description of a person, place, or a thing. Active description. So when I read this, and I'm about to read the definition of, um, in the, in the concordance of what, uh, faith means, but when I read this, I was like, okay, hold on a minute, because I thought that what I thought believe meant is actually what faith means. Let me explain. So faith is the conviction of the truth of anything, belief, 
in the New Testament of a conviction or belief respecting man's relationship to God and divine things, generally with the included idea of trust and holy fervor born of faith and joined with it. It's relating to God. When it relates to God, it means the conviction that God exists and is the creator and ruler of all things, the provider and bestower of eternal salvation through Christ. That is what faith means when it's relating to uh, Jesus Christ. It's a strong and welcome conviction or belief that Jesus is the Messiah through whom we obtain eternal salvation in the kingdom of God. Um, it, also mean, it also means the religious beliefs of Christians. It also means belief with a predominant idea of trust or confidence, whether in God or in Christ, springing from faith in the same. It also means fidelity, faithfulness. It also means um, the character of one who can be relied on. So all that that I just read, for me, that's what I thought belief meant. Like having faith in Jesus, uh, believing that Jesus saved me, believing that God exists and is the creator of all things and we're saved by his son, believing that Jesus is the Messiah, all that type of stuff. I thought that that obviously is like the definition of faith, but I thought that that meant what believe meant, but it doesn't because believe is a verb. It's a verb noun, but it's a verb. Faith is a noun. It's a noun. It's just, it's, it's, it is a noun. Okay. The word for believe is a verb. Believe is the verb. Okay. So believe you need to be actively believing past, present, future, believing. It's a continual thing. Faith is, faith, I want to read it. I want to read it again just to be absolutely clear. Faith is a noun. It's a word denoting anything that can be named. Usually an object, person, place, idea, or action. Okay? A word denoting anything that can be named. Okay? It's the conviction that God exists. That God is the creator, ruler of all things. The provider and bestower of eternal salvation through Christ. A strong and welcome conviction or belief that Jesus is the Messiah through whom we obtain eternal salvation. The religious beliefs of Christian. So it's like basically the description of your beliefs. That's what faith is. I think in a simple term, it's like the description of your belief, your, uh, your relationship to God and divine things. But that, that's what that means. And just again, it's Strong's G4102. It's in the Greek. If you want to look that up and get your own meaning of what that means too, then by all means, please do. But that is what faith is. Faith is the noun. Okay. Believing is the verb. Now let's read James 2, 14 through 26. And this is in the New Living Translation. And this says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless then faith by itself isn't enough. I didn't come up with that. That is not my sentence. That is the Bible. James 2, 14 through 26. All right. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue some people have faith. Others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. And this is kind of what I was talking about earlier. Um, when I said your lifestyle is like the, uh, your lifestyle is like the, the proof, the evidence that you are saved, right? Faith is the, the evidence, the hope and yeah, but your lifestyle basically is the proof that you are saved. Okay. 
So, um, let's keep reading. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Wow, I just, I think that's <laughs> amazing. I mean, it's a little harsh, but just I just want to pause again. Because this is saying, James is saying, you believe there is one God, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. Demons believe that there is one God. Is that, is that mind-blowing to anybody else? Like, everything that you could say... For some, for some people, for me in the past, what I could say I believed about, about God, probably demons believed about 90% of what I believed about God. Even though I claimed to be saved, I, claimed I was a normal Christian. But demons believe that there is one God. He's saying like, good for you that you believe there is one God. Congratulations, demons believe that too. Alright, can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown right to be with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see his faith and his actions work together. His actions made his faith complete and so it happened just as the scriptures say. Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. My God, I gotta repeat it. Gotta repeat it. So you see, we are shown to be right, be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Now, I want to point out, we are saved. Ephesians, uh, let me go back up, give you the right verse. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. We are saved by grace through faith. Okay? There's nothing you can do to earn salvation. Literally, all you can do is have faith in Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. That's all, really all you can do. You know, confess with your mouth that he is Lord. That's all you could do. And believe in your heart. That's all you could do. We're saved by, by grace through faith. Now, I think, um, yeah, we're saved by grace through faith. So what this is saying, I want to read it again. I want to read it again. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone, which is why I said, and I'm going to say later, again, your lifestyle is the proof that you are saved, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those me messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Wow. And um, that is not anything that I was saying. That is all the Bible. Okay. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. So to put this into context, I'll give you an example in my own life. Okay. For years... I would, let's take one thing, giving to the poor, um, which literally it said earlier, if you see someone who has no food or clothing, you say goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but you don't give that person any, any good, what good does that do? Faith by itself isn't enough. So I used to literally see homeless people, I would help sometimes, and sometimes I had way more than enough money to help, but I would not help. I would just go on about my day, honestly, because I was being inconvenient. Sometimes I would help. You know, sometimes I would stop and have a conversation with them, but that was very, like, rare. That wasn't, like, a, a normal thing for me to do. Now, it's normal because I see in the Bible how much God actually cares for the poor, how much he stands um, next to the poor, and he is close to them, and they inherit the kingdom of God, and they're blessed. And, I mean, John was literally, like, a homeless guy. So, you know, John the Baptist, not John, the other John, but John the Baptist. But I'm saying that, like, 
it's just, you see how much God cares about this. So when I read the Bible, see how much God cares about that. Okay, so what am I going to do? I'm going to go give to the poor because obviously that is important to God. So that is what the Holy Spirit inspires me to do because I love Jesus. I'm going to do his commandments. I'm going to do what he says. And what this is saying is like, so say, say you're someone who like, you know, you've been a proclaimed Christian all your life. Your life doesn't look anything like uh, someone who believes in Jesus' lo life looks like. Your life doesn't look like anyone who is actually biblical Christian. Your life doesn't look like that. You're still stuck in sin and all this type of stuff, right? And even if you're not stuck in sin, you're not sharing the gospel with anybody. You're not, um, you're not like, like sharing it with your neighbors. You're not sharing it with your co-workers. You're not telling anybody about Jesus. Jesus is literally a secret in your life. You don't have the Holy Spirit, or even if this is your first time hearing about the Holy Spirit, then awesome. Receive Him tonight. But you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't read your Bible, but you say that you're a Christian. That, I believe, is what this is talking about. You say you have faith, you believe there is one God. The demons believe that. Faith without works is dead, so I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Like, that's kind of what this is saying, is if you fall into that category where you, you know, you're just like, say you have faith in God, but nothing in your life is like showing that you have faith in God. It's not that you can like lose your salvation, but it's that all you thought that you had to do for it, which you could have been misled, you know, so maybe that's what happened. But all that you thought that you had to do for it was like, like, go to church and, and say the sinner's prayer, and that's just ultimately not true, okay? So like I said again, I just want to reiterate, I'm not here to condemn anybody, really. I'm not here to condemn anybody. I just want to show you the truth so that you can make a decision. But if you fall under the category like I did, that just believing that um, if I like say that I'm a Christian, if I tell enough people that I'm a Christian, but I never actually share the gospel with them. I just, you know, enough people after knowing me a long time know that I'm a Christian, but it's really a secret. And I really only share with them if they bring, I really only share the gospel with them if they bring it up. I'm always waiting on people to bring it up. I'm still watching pornography, still stuck in homosexuality, or, you know, like all this sin that I, I, I literally, I don't know if I've shared about this before, but talk about how anti-God this was and I thought that I was like like definitely <laughs> I mean I doubted it but I was like I was like 60% sure I was going to heaven but I literally hated people like I, I remember the day that I had to get on my knees and repent I was like crying and all this stuff I think it was like super late um in the night probably like around like 1 or 2 a.m. And I was reading this book and I just realized that like I hated people and <laughs> I had obviously, you know, to repent for that and had to change my ways. But that was me and I was still proclaiming to be a Christian, you know, and I know that it wasn't of God because I was proclaiming to be a Christian and I was looking down on people because of how highly religious I thought that I was. Right? So if you fall into that category where you're like, your life and who you really know yourself to be, not who you show yourself to be to other people, is actually not looking anything like Jesus, but you say that you're saved. Let me find the verse. So, let me find the verse so I say the right thing. Okay, hold on. Hold on. I will show you my faith by my good deeds. There it is. You believe that there is one God. Demons believe that. They tremble in terror. What good does that do? See? 
So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. That is what the Bible says, okay? That's what the Bible says. So if you fall into that category, you really need to repent tonight because God ultimately knows your heart. So you need to take that information, sit with it, sit with the Lord, and make a decision on what to do to change your life because we are saved by grace through faith. That is how we are saved, by grace through faith. There's nothing that you can do to earn it. But the evidence, the evidence that you actually believe actively in Jesus, the evidence that you actually have faith in Jesus is your lifestyle. That's how you tell. We look at the fruit, okay? Look at the fruit, not what you say. We look at the fruit. And if your fruit isn't producing anything godly, isn't producing anything that a godly lifestyle should actually produce, your fruit isn't looking like you have the Holy Spirit, then you tell me if you're saved. You tell me, okay? So now let's talk about what are the qualifications for going to hell, especially if you're someone who says that you are a Christian. And I mean what I say when I say says that you are because an actual Christian cannot go to hell. A real Christian, not the way that the word is being used now where it's kind of like loose. If you believe in God a little bit, then you're a Christian. No, the real actual biblical definition of um, a believer in Jesus. So we're first going to read... Romans 1, 18 through 32. You guys know that I love this one. It was in my first video. So let's read it. Okay. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he made it obvious to them. He has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. And I want to pause because for people who say like, well, how about people who are like, you know, in some remote village somewhere, how do they know about God? You know, the earth and sky, you look at his creation, you have no excuse for not knowing God. Um, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him faith. thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols to make made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who was worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relationship with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. 
Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Not saying anything, let's go to Psalms 50, 16 through 23. Psalms 50, 16 through 23. This is in New Living Translation. But God says to the wicked, Why bother reciting my decrees and pretending to obey my covenant? Now, let me back up because the first thing that I said out of my mouth with this verse is, But God says to the wicked, to the wicked. And he says, why bother pretending to obey my covenant? Which means that they look like they're pretending to obey his covenant. And God sees that and calls them wicked. He sees right through it, straight to the heart, calls them wicked. So it doesn't matter if you're like going through the motions, you know, of like regular Christian life. It doesn't matter if you're, um, you're like, like serving a church all the time. You know, you go to everything that has to do with it. You, um, are looking don't want to just come, I, 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 yeah, but you're like looking like what you're, you're pretending you're going through the motions, you're doing all the tradition, you're doing all the just religious tradition things, but you're pretending to obey God's covenant. And you know that you are, no one has to tell you that, that you are because maybe it's on everybody else. It doesn't look like you are. It looks like you are actively obeying God's covenant, but you know that you're not. God sees straight to the heart. And this is what he says, but God says to the wicked, why bother reciting my decrees and pretending to obey my commandments? For you refuse my discipline. Wow. And treat my words like trash. When you see thieves, you approve of them. And you spend your time with adulterers. Your mouth is filled with wickedness and your tongue is full of lies. You sit around and slander your brother, your own mother's son. While you did all this, I remained silent and you thought I didn't care. But now I will rebuke you, listening to all my charges against you. Listing all my charges against you. Repent, all of you who forget me, or I will tear you apart, and no one will help you. But giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. If you keep to my path, I will reveal to you the salvation of God. Wow, 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 wow. I mean, pretending to obey God's decrees, and, and uh, pretending to obey His covenant, okay? So His decrees, His command, His covenant. The, the requirements of the covenant, pretending to obey that, okay? And we are still under a covenant, a new covenant, but we're still under covenant, okay? So pretending to obey his covenant, refusing his discipline, treating his words like trash, approving of thieves, spending time with adulterers, your mouth filled with wickedness, lying, okay? I used to think lying was like not that big of a deal. I like white lies, not telling big lies, but little white lies. Like, oh, where were you? I was at the gas station. White lies. Okay, your tongue is full of lies. You sit around and slander your brother. All of that. God remained silent. But now I will rebuke you, listing all the charges against you. Repent, all of you who forget me, or I will tear you apart and no one will help you. But giving things is a sacrifice that truly honors me. If you keep to my path, I will reveal to you the salvation of God. But if you fall under that, keep to his path. Repent. And he will reveal to you the salvation of God. That's what it says. That's Psalms 50, 16 through 23. Now let's move on to Revelation 21, 8. This is, this is, okay. Revelation 21, 8. I'm just going to read it. Not going to say anything. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, 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 <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, um, Murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake, which burns with fire and brimstone, which is a second death. 
Now I want to explain something. This isn't people who are struggling with these things. These are people who they were that, okay? Cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars, okay? So lying again, really big thing. Lying, sorcery, idolatry, coward, uh, being cowardly. And the cowardly right there, I looked it up. Um, you can look it up on your own, actually. I'm not going to say it, but you can look it up on your own. It's cowardly. It's Revelation 21 through 8. Go on Google, look up the Strong's word uh, for what that means if you feel like you fall into that, uh, that category. But uh, timid is one of the definitions of that. So if you say that you are a timid, shy person, well, um, let's keep moving on. Let's go to Revelations 20, 13 through 15. All right. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and anyone not found in the, written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now let's read 2 Thessalonians 1, 7-9. This is the last one talking about hell. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7-9 in the NLT. And it says, And God will provide rest for you who are being persecuted, and also for us when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven. He will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God, and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. So people who refuse to obey the good news of the Lord Jesus, who refuse to obey it, Wow. Wow. Hold on a minute. That's not refuse to believe. That's not refuse to have faith. That's not refuse to confess. That's refuse to obey. Wow. Refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ will be punished with eternal separation, eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord. Refuse to obey. So if you refuse to obey the good news, which means that you have to know the good news. So if you know the, the gospel, you know the good news about Jesus, and you refuse to obey it, you will be punished with eternal destruction. And only you know that. I can't say that you refuse to obey, you know. I, yeah, I can't like say that. You know it. You know if you're refusing to obey. You know that, so stop doing that and repent, please, because it says that you'll be punished with eternal destruction. And in Psalms 50, said, I will tear you apart, so please repent, okay? Okay, I just want to say one more thing on the refuse to obey part, because I'm just thinking about it. It's refuse to obey, that means that you have to know, first of all, the good news. Secondly, you have to know that you're being disobedient, because you're refusing to do it. If you are refusing to obey God and you know the good news, okay, you're pretending to obey his covenant, you're a sorcerer, a liar, you're a coward, okay, you're sexually immoral, you're a gossiper, you're slandering your brothers, all this type of stuff, you can go back and look at the list that I, uh, of the verses that I read, and you can read them yourself, but if you fall into that, uh, that's literally like, 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 you do it so much that that is literally could be described as who you are. A slanderer, a gossiper, sexually immoral person, a coward, all this type of stuff. Like, 
you need to repent because that just puts you in danger of going to hell and I, I definitely wouldn't feel confident if I was in that category of saying that I am saved that I am a Christian even if I say it okay what good is it that you say it if your life doesn't look like that like that and if you say it and your life literally looks like everybody else please stop saying it please because it's making everybody look bad so let's go to um where are we Ooh, not me not writing down what verse this is <laughs> hold on a second that's not good oh philippians 2 9 through 11 okay philippians 2 9 through 11 so the Bible makes it clear who is a believer and who just says Lord Jesus is saved. In Philippians 2, 9, 11, it says, Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. To the glory of, wait, everyone declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Alright? So, I, I read that and I thought about something. How does it say that everyone will say? Because earlier it says, you know, if you declare, if you declare and you believe, right? So how is it saying that everyone will say, every knee should bow, every tongue will confess, um, it says in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. That means everybody in heaven, everybody on earth, everybody on the earth, under the earth, which means even demons, Satan himself, Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. How is that possible? It says everyone will say, Lord, Lord, but not everyone will be saved. It's clear because this verse includes things under the earth. Demons cannot be saved. How is this possible? They're saying Jesus is Lord, aren't they? Doesn't declaring Jesus is Lord mean that you're saved? No, it doesn't. And I'll prove it. Notice when Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. In Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Actually, I'm going to start over and read slower. Okay? I want you to pay attention. Notice when Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. And the separation of, uh, in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. And then, in the separation of the sheep and goats, in Matthew 25, 31 through 46, he consistently refers to people who call him Lord. Ah! But he says, in both of those stories, when he says, I'm separating the angels, uh, I think it's the angels who come and separate the sheep from the goats, and then the other one, when he says, you know, uh, we've done all this stuff in your name, depart from me, I never knew you, all that type of stuff. He consistently refers to people who say, Lord, Lord, but doesn't saying Jesus is Lord automatically mean that you're saved? No, and that's just because, that's because just because you call Jesus Lord, just because you say that Jesus is Lord does not mean that you are saved. Look at the verses. It is always accompanied um, by a verb. There is action behind Jesus being Lord. There's action behind it. And the verses I'm talking about is the verses I read before Ephesians 2 and Romans 10, 8 through 10. Those are what I'm talking about. Look at those. Read those. There's always something that you're in action by grace through faith. There's always something that is in action. Okay? And obviously we cannot be saved except, by, except through faith. There's no other way. There's nothing that you can earn to earn salvation. But 
everyone is going to say that Jesus is Lord and not everyone is going to be saved and you definitely don't want to fall into that category. So that is how everyone can and will openly declare that Jesus is Lord but not but not everyone will be saved. Simply saying Jesus is Lord does not mean that you are currently saved. And saying Jesus is Lord does not mean that you will be saved on the day of judgment. Now, how do you know that you are saved? Let's take another look at Romans 10.10. And it says, For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. New Living Translation. Pay attention to this verse. It says, if... We, we can start and stop there. It says, if, okay? If. 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 <laughs> This is John 14, 15 through 17. But if, which means may or may not happen, you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and will later be with you. If you love me, obey my commandments. Do you know God's commandments? Again, are you reading the Bible enough to know God's commandments? Do you spend enough time with God to know his commandments? Do you have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit to know your sin and to obey God's commandments? That's simple. It might not make sense yet, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain a little bit more. So you might say, I openly declare Jesus is Lord. I show that I have faith by my actions. I am a believer slash follower of Jesus. I even do the signs and wonders. You be out there doing the miracles and everything. Everything, all of that stuff. You know, the blind eyes and deaf ears and people walking out of wheelchairs and all that stuff. You be doing that. Aren't I saved? The answer is yes, you are. Okay, yes. I know you thought I was going to say no, but the answer is yes. Also, the only true way... To be extremely confident in your salvation for this current moment and for the day of judgment is by the Holy Spirit in you. The word of God is extremely clear what someone who has the Holy Spirit in their lives looks and acts like. Watch my last video or do a word search on the Holy Spirit in the Bible. You can literally go to the Bible app or whatever, you know, Bible thingy you want to do and literally just look. Holy Spirit, read all of those verses. Does your life look like someone who has the Holy Spirit? Alright, and I also want to show you one more thing, which is the Holy Spirit is your confidence that you are saved. Okay, so in Ephesians 1, 13-14, in Him, and I want you to pay attention to what I just said. I didn't say the Holy Spirit is the reason that you are saved. I didn't say, you know, it says by grace through faith. Okay, that is what the Bible says. I said the Holy Spirit is your confidence, your guarantee that you are saved. In Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, obviously the Holy Spirit is no reason because the Holy Spirit is God. But Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of, the, of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. All right. So you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Now I want to break down a few things for you. Sealed means to set a seal upon. Okay, mark with a seal 
obviously the seal for preservation for security from Satan to prove one's testimony to a person that he is what he professes to be. My God, that is sealed. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. A guarantee, where it says right here, who is a guarantee? A, a guarantee is a pledge, a part of, for example, a part of the purchase money or property given in advance as security for the rest. Earnest. Money, which in purchases, is given as a pledge or down payment that the full amount will subsequently be paid. So Holy Spirit is your guarantee of your inheritance. And the word inheritance here means um, an inheritance properly received or to be received by inheritance. The eternal blessedness of the consummated kingdom of God, which is to be expected after the visible return of Christ. So for the seal, it's preservation. For security from Satan, to prove one's person, one's testimony that you are what you profess to be, the Holy Spirit is the seal that you are a Christian, that you are what you profess to be. So if you're one of the people, honestly, I'm not talking about like the Holy Spirit, you know, we don't do the same things that, ever, that they did in the Bible with like healing and miracles and all that type of stuff. I'm not talking about that. But if you're someone, someone who claims to be a Christian, but you don't have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the proof to prove one's testimony to a person that he is what he professes to be. He's your guarantee of your inheritance that not only are you saved right now, but that you will be saved, that you, you will be saved after the visible return of Christ. All right. So Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians uh, 1, 21 through 22. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. God has sealed you and given you the Spirit in your heart as a guarantee. Wow. Also, Acts 2, 37-38, New King James Version. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent. And this is after, just in case you don't know the context, this is after, you know, Jesus had ascended back, okay? And the next time he was coming back, um, Jesus had ascend has ascended. Sorry, I got distracted. My upstairs neighbors or whatever. But Jesus had ascended, okay? And this is, he said, stay here until you receive the Holy Spirit. And then they received the Holy Spirit. And then Peter was out there preaching and stuff. And he was telling people, you know, the Jesus that you killed. And he was, you know, really going off of preaching in love, obviously. And at the end of that, they said, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit when you're baptized, when you are raised with Christ through water baptism. You, re you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Just saying. When you get baptized, that's, that's what should be happening. You should be receiving the Holy Spirit. So, I want to be absolutely clear about something. There is no amount of work you can do to be saved. We are saved by grace through faith. With that being said, the word of God is very clear about people who have put their faith in Jesus. People who are also called believers. 
you should read it for yourself. What does the Bible say about people who actively believe in Jesus? I read it a little bit, but you can do your own study. What does the Bible say about people who actively believe in Jesus? We've proven that only declaring Jesus is Lord doesn't mean that you're saved. You are saved by grace through faith in Jesus and you prove your faith by your good works. Only believing in Jesus doesn't mean that you're saved. Just one more time, okay? Being without the Holy Spirit definitely doesn't guarantee your salvation. And I just want to end with, it feels, does it feel impossible? A little bit, probably a lot of it, yeah, probably. But that's why Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate, for, the, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it. So if you feel like, if you feel like you on that broad, okay, you ain't on the narrow one, you on the broad one, what is your proof biblically that you're saved? Like if you're feeling like there's nothing in your life that you're sacrificing for God, there's nothing in your life that you're doing for God, there's nothing in your life that is, is like difficult because you are trying to be the best servant uh, for God that you can possibly be. You're trying to be as close to God as you can possibly be on this earth. You're obeying his commandments. You're doing what he says. And it, it feels like it's difficult to you. If you can't relate to that, then you should evaluate because it might be possible that the, you're on the broad path and not the narrow path. And I, I just want to also say like for people who think that, like I see so many people you know, who, according to the Bible, probably, like, aren't really saved, but that think they are, and, and, and what I want to say is, like, Jesus said that everybody who says Lord, like, Jesus is Lord, everyone is going to say Jesus is Lord, and there are a lot of people who say that Jesus is Lord, but their life does not look like it at all, and I know because I was one of them who said, you know, Jesus is Lord, of course, I believe in Jesus, you know, yeah, of course, I don't believe in nobody else, you know, I don't believe in no other gods, and none of that, I don't do none of that, but my life did not look like a believer at all, I did not have faith, according to the Bible, I did not have faith in God, but I believe, I said that I did, but my actions didn't look like I did, and it says that Jesus said, it's a narrow gate, it is a narrow gate, Difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. All right, that's Matthew 7 13 through 14. And in Matthew 19 25 through 29, says, But he also said, When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Isn't that comforting? If you're feeling that right now, where you're like, Well, who in the world could be saved? Listen to what Jesus is saying to you right now. With men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Then Peter answered and said to him, See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. And again, what's the guarantee of your inheritance? Everybody, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. 
But look at when they were asking, which you might be asking right now, well, like, what do I do? Like, I, I don't know if I'm saved or not. And according to everything that I just said, everything this, this lady just said, it seems like I'm not. It seems impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Because if you were just doing it by yourself, yes, it is impossible. If you were, if you were trying to be saved by your works, you were trying to be saved by your parents' faith, not by your faith. If you were trying to be saved by just doing everything that you think it means to be a Christian, what it looks like, but you don't actually have a personal relationship with God, you don't have the Holy Spirit. If, it, if you're trying to be saved that way by doing it just with your own strength and without God, it is impossible. That's why Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. With men, it, it is impossible. If I just tried to be saved by myself, I, I can't. You can't do it. It's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So take some, like, get some hope from that. That when you do this with, with God, it is possible for you to be saved. It's not hopeless. And it is not impossible. I also want to read 2 Peter 3.9, okay? Because this is like, just, I, I'm ending right now, but this is what I wanted to end with. Just for you to not feel like hopeless. For you to not feel just like beaten down, you know, I hope that I didn't like just beat you into the dust with, you know, basically a lot of people are disqualified for salvation according to the Bible. Um, and if you fall into that category, I don't want you to feel like there's no hope for you. So I just wanted to leave with these verses just so that you can know not my heart, but God's heart towards you. Okay, so the first one is 2 Peter 3, 9. This means that contrary to perspective, to man's perspective, the Lord is not late with his promise to return as some measure lateness, but rather his delay simply reveals his loving patience towards you because he does not want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Because he doesn't want any to perish, but for all to come to repentance, okay? So if you're like, you know, I don't know when Jesus is really going to come back. But I used to have doubts about that too back when I was, you know, heck of stuck in sin and probably going to hell. I used to think like, I don't know when Jesus is coming back. I don't really know about the second coming. How is that even possible? I used to doubt it so much. But God isn't being late with his promise. But he wants everybody to be saved, not wishing that any would perish, but all come to repentance. And I also want to read um, John 3, 16 through 21. You know, we can't talk about salvation without reading John 3, 16 through 21. And it says, for here is the way God loved the world. He gave his only unique son. And this is the uh, Passion Translation. He gave his only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish, but experience everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but to be its savior and to rescue it. So now there is no longer any condemnation for those who believe in him, but the unbeliever already lives under condemnation because they do not believe in the name of the only son of God. And here is the basis for their judgment. The light of God has now come into the world, but the people love the darkness more than the light because they want the darkness to conceal their evil so the wicked hate the light and try to hide from it if you're trying to hide for god from god so the wicked hate the light and try to hide from it for the light fully exposes their lives but those who love the truth will come into the light for the light will reveal that it was god who produced their fruitful works wow wow john 3 16 through 21 and this is what i'm actually ending with <laughs> So what do you have to do to be saved? Okay, we mentioned, you know, by, by grace through faith, uh, believing, openly declaring, being baptized, 
Okay, being raised to life with God, receiving the Holy Spirit as your guarantee. Believe in Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. Okay, the moment of actually receiving salvation is the free the free gift of God is salvation. And it is actually really simple. Repent, which means to change one's mind. It can involve tears or not. As long as you are sincere in your repentance to God, you can only be saved by the name of Jesus. There is no other way. No other way, no other name by which you can be saved. So repent. Now is your moment of salvation. And it will be beautiful. And if you've got nothing else out of this message, know this, that you cannot lose your salvation. If you believe in Jesus, you cannot. You have faith in Jesus, you cannot lose your salvation. However, the way to tell if you're really saved, the way to tell if you really believe and have faith in Jesus is by the way you live life every single day. Live life in such a way that you can be confident in the fact that you are a child of God. Develop a real an honest relationship with God and remember receiving the Holy Spirit is not an option the Holy Spirit is a promise and all that you have to do is ask okay so I want to I want to like one more thing the Holy Spirit is bringing to my mind if your Christianity your, your walk with God is only focused on you if your Christianity is only focused on you not being insecure anymore it's focused on you know um, you like being further than your career you getting blessings from God you improving your life, if your, your walk with God is only focused on you and it's not other-centered at all, then that is not a biblical version of Christianity. We should always be thinking about others. We should always be thinking about like ways to share the gospel with people. If you haven't shared the gospel with people, um, go watch. I, I talked a lot about it, how to do it practically. Go watch the other video that I did about it, but start doing that. Start looking like Jesus and don't overcomplicate it, which I know it seems like I kind of did here, but don't overcomplicate it and take hope. I mean, uh, have hope in the fact that Jesus came and died for you, for, for you, for us. Jesus came and died for us. Isn't that amazing? And isn't that so comforting that when the disciples were like, well, who could be saved? Jesus said, does it feel impossible? Yeah, because with men, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So if you fall into that category, you know, you're pretending to obey the covenant. You're refusing to obey the covenant. You're refusing to obey God and refusing to obey the truth about the gospel. Repent. Like, okay, yes, you want to feel bad about it. I don't know. If that makes you feel better, then go right ahead. You want to cry your eyes out go right ahead amazing that you feel convicted and you want to give your life to the lord that's amazing that's really good that's what this should produce okay and the good deeds are being produced by the lord by the holy spirit and most importantly get baptized and ask the holy spirit to come into you receive the holy spirit do not go another day without the holy spirit and don't go another day doubting your salvation because you are not supposed to we are not supposed to be walking around here doubtful christians we if you doubt you shouldn't receive to you shouldn't expect to receive anything from god and that's in james don't expect to receive anything from god if you doubt we are not supposed to be walking around here as doubtful christians not believing that our lord jesus has saved us because he has and he went through so through so much to save you don't take it lightly do not take it for granted and don't doubt it if you know that you are saved baby you are saved read the bible and figure it out find out for yourself all right mess around and find out if you want to but you are saved don't doubt that 
Stop doubting it. If you believe you are saved according to the Bible, you are saved. You have put your faith in Jesus. You are actively believing in God. You have the Holy Spirit. You are saved. Stop second guessing it. Stop letting the devil trick you and ruin your whole day and you repent all over again and say the sinner's prayer 50 million times because you don't think you're saved. Stop putting yourself through that torment. You are saved. You believe you're saved? You're saved. You need to cut sin out of your life? Then cut sin out of your life. Cut it out. You are saved. Repent. Stop acting like you're obeying the commandments of God. Actually do it. You are saved. Okay? If even according to this list, you still like, I think I'm saved. You're saved. Don't doubt it another day in your life. Do not let him trick you like that. Have faith in Jesus. Develop a close relationship with God. And believe that you are saved. Okay? I mean, that's all I had to say. Please, um share this with people as many people as you can because it's about salvation and if you're kind of skeptical or like you know a little iffy a little i don't know like timid about sharing the gospel then share this video okay you don't really even have to say anything you can say something in the text but i would love for you to text this to at least five people that you have been trying to plan how to share the gospel with texas I hope that I was loving enough for you to be confident to share with them. And if you're in the position of someone who is a Christian, but obviously you can see now that you are not saved. Well, someone who says that you're a Christian, but you can see now that you're not saved. Then um, change your life. Repent. Ask the Holy Spirit to come in because he will guide you into all truth. All right. So, amen. Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh, and comment under the video because I would love to know what you guys thought about this. And yeah, that's all. Bye. Oh, it's a little bonus, but my mother is here. Hi, y'all. Legendary, what, evangelist, pastor, <laughs> Rhonda. Rhonda. <laughs> we don't what do those titles. What would you like to say things. to the people, Rhonda? I'm just so excited that Destiny is sharing what God is telling her to share with you guys. It's really authentic, it's raw, and it uh, it's really led by the Holy Spirit. So you would do good to listen and to apply the principles that she's teaching. She does some deep dive studies and uh, you know, she kind of briefs me on it, but I don't like to influence that much because I want her to be free in the Holy Ghost and stuff like that. So I'm just glad. I think she's talking about salvation and how to know you're saved and there are ways that the Bible confirms and that's important because you want to know, you know, when I, if I got on a plane and went to Texas, I want to know that I got to Texas. I don't want to end up in Utah or somewhere. I want to end up in Texas. So then I'm a believer. I want to end up in heaven at the end of this journey with the Lord, forever with the Lord. So that's good, huh? I'm glad Destiny's doing it. What you looking at, Destiny? This is the first time Destiny and I kind of talk together on camera. So, hey. You got anything else to say? <laughs> no. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something. I'm not saying anything. I already Beautiful. said talk for an hour. She's already talked. Yeah, she's she's worked very hard and diligent. So I, I'm telling you, you're getting some good, 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 good gospel right here. And if you know people that are questioning or shaky about their salvation, get them to look at this video and it will be a, such a blessing to them. Okay? See ya. God bless you. Bye-bye.